You may take your seats. Let me just get this out the way. Congratulations, class of 2018. Welcome. Welcome to the Memorial Church of Harvard University, a space of grace on this campus committed to the pursuit of veritas and caritas, truth and love. It is commencement week. This week is not one of culmination and conclusion concerning your education. It is the commencement. It is just the beginning. It's my sincere prayer that each of you will embrace this world, embrace this new beginning with an open mind, a humble spirit, and a curious and courageous, compassionate demeanor. For these are the virtues that Harvard College set to instill in you four years ago when you entered these gates. Whether in the classroom or on the squash court, whether serving through Phillips Brooks House or singing in the university choir, I pray that Harvard impressed upon you some simple truths that are anything but simplistic. Wisdom. Wisdom is more precious than silver or gold. The common good outlasts individual accomplishments. And every grand idea that has ever pushed humanity forward, it began with a dream and faith put it into action. If you want to go quick in life, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with one another. The intent of today's baccalaureate is to serve as this kind of moral capstone. Take this time to embrace the hour as one of intellectual inspiration and spiritual reflection. Be proud. Be proud in recalling how far you have traveled in these four years, as well as the many obstacles that you've overcome. Yet embrace humbly the infinite paths of possibility that are ahead of you, acknowledging that each day is a sign of amazing grace. We welcome you, Harvard College class of 2018, and on behalf of the entire staff and community of the Memorial Church, we thank God for you.
Please be seated. Karmanye vadhikaraste ma phaleshu kadachana ma karma phalaheturbhura ma te sangotstva karmani yogastha guru karmani sangam taktvadhananjaya sidhya sidhyo samobhutva Samatvam yoga uchyate Durena hvavaram karma Buddhi yoga dhananjaya Buddho sharanam anvichya Krupana phalahetavaha Buddhi yukto jahatiha Ubhe sukruta dushkrate Tasmat yogaya yujyaswa yoga karmasu koshalam karma jam buddhi yuktahi phalam tyaktvamanishinaha janma bandha vinirmuktaha padam gachantyanamayam You have a right to perform your prescribed duties, but you are not entitled to the fruits of your actions. Never consider yourself to be the cause of the results of your activities, nor be attached to inaction. Be steadfast in the performance of your duty, abandoning attachment to success and failure. Such equanimity is called yoga. Seek refuge in divine knowledge and insight and discard reward-seeking actions that are certainly inferior to works performed with the intellect established in the divine knowledge. Miserly are those who seek to enjoy the fruits of their works. One who prudently practices the science of work without attachment can get rid of both good and bad reactions in this life itself. Therefore, strive for yoga, which is the art of working skillfully and in proper consciousness. The wise endowed with equanimity of intellect abandon attachment to the fruits of actions, which bind one to the cycle of life and death. By working in such consciousness, they attain the state beyond all suffering.
وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ صدق الله العلي العظيم In the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful, by the morning brightness, and by the night when it grows still. Your Lord has not forsaken you, nor is he displeased. And the future will surely be better for you than the past. Your Lord is sure to give you so much that you will be well satisfied. Did he not find you an orphan and shelter you? Did he not find you lost and guide you? Did he not find you in need and make you self-sufficient? So do not be harsh with the orphan and do not chide the one who asks for help. And as for the blessing of your Lord, proclaim it.观自在菩萨行深般若波罗蜜多时照见五蕴皆空度一切苦厄舍利子色不异空空不异色色即是空空即是色受想行事亦复如是舍利子世诸法空相不生不灭不垢不净不增不减是故空中无色无受想行事无言耳鼻舌身意无色声香味触法无眼界乃至无意世界无无明亦无无明尽乃至无老死亦无老死尽无苦即灭道无智亦无德以无所得故菩提萨埵依般若波罗蜜多故
，心无挂碍，无挂碍故，无有恐怖，远离颠倒梦想，究竟涅槃，三世诸佛，一般若波罗蜜多故，得阿耨多罗三藐三菩提，故知般若波罗蜜多。是大神咒，是大明咒，是无上咒，是无等等咒，能除一切苦，真实不虚。故说般若波罗蜜多咒，即说咒曰：揭谛，揭谛，波罗揭谛，波罗僧揭谛，菩提萨婆诃。When Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva was practicing the profound Prajna Paramita, he illuminated the five skandhas and saw that they are all empty, and he crossed beyond all suffering and difficulty. Shariputra, form does not differ from emptiness; emptiness does not differ from form. Form itself is emptiness. Emptiness itself is form. So too are feeling, cognition, formation, and consciousness. Shariputra, all dharmas are empty of characteristics. They are not produced, not destroyed, not defiled, not pure, and they neither increase nor diminish. Therefore, in emptiness there is no form. Feeling, cognition, formation, or consciousness. No eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, or mind. No sights, sounds, smells, tastes, objects of touch, or dharmas. No field of the eyes, up to and including no field of mind consciousness. No ignorance or ending of ignorance. Up to and including no old age and death, or ending of old age and death. There is no suffering, no accumulating, no extinction, no way, and no understanding, and no attaining. Because nothing is attained, the Bodhisattva, through reliance on Prajna Paramita, is unimpeded in his mind. Because there is no impediment, he is not afraid. And he leaves distorted dream thinking far behind, ultimately nirvana. All Buddhas of the three periods of time attain anuttara samyak sambodhi through reliance on prajna paramita. Therefore, know that prajna paramita is a great spiritual mantra, a great bright mantra, a supreme mantra, and an equaled mantra. It can remove all suffering. It is genuine and not false. That is why the mantra of Prajna Paramita was spoken. Recite it like this: Gate, gate, palagate, palasamgate, bodhisvaha. Good afternoon. The Iranian poetess Furul Farrokhzad has written, 
دستهایم را در باغچه میکارم سبز خواهم شد میدانم میدانم read in english i will plant my hands in the garden i will grow i know i know my wish for each of you is that the good deeds knowledge and hopes and wishes for your life that you have planted here at harvard will grow green on commencement day 2016 i was joined by my mother mershit sarvian a woman who 30 years prior fled political and social violence in Iran, a place where I most likely would not have had access to higher education. And there we were, a day I felt was as much hers as was mine. I too hope you all have the chance to honor all those who have sacrificed to help you get here those who have loved you in difficulty and those who have loved you in joy, those who believe in everything you can become. Class of 2018, may the journey ahead be marked by abundant confirmations and manifold blessings. I leave you by a prayer, by a Baha'i prayer. Create in me a pure heart, O oh my God and renew a tranquil conscience within me, O oh my hope. Through the spirit of power, confirm thou me in thy cause, O oh my best beloved, and by the light of thy glory, reveal unto me thy path, O oh thou the goal of my desire. Through the power of thy transcendent might, lift me up unto the heaven of thy holiness, O oh source of my being, and by the breezes of thine eternity, gladden me, O thou who art my God. Let thine everlasting melodies breathe tranquility on me, O my companion, and let the riches of thine ancient countenance deliver me from all except thee, O my master. And let the tidings of the revelation of thine incorruptible essence bring me joy. O thou who art the most manifest of the manifest and the most hidden of the hidden. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 22 commands the ancient priests in the holy temple in Jerusalem to bless the people. This is the same blessing that I now wish with my wife to my son every Friday night as the Sabbath Eve begins, and it's the blessing that I wish for you. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha. O God, great mystery, was, is, will be of the universe, Bless these graduates along the path of life as they leave Harvard and spread out throughout the world. Please guard their bodies, their hearts, and their souls. May they see that everything in the world, from the vast oceans to the smallest neurons, from farms to Facebook, from their most intimate partners to the strangers 
and the homeless they see in Harvard Square, that everyone and everything are shining, glad faces of the Holy Blessed One. God, may these graduates always feel your enlivening presence in the, with them in each and every moment. Yisa Adonai panav eilecha v'yisem lecha shalom. May they grow to see in time that they too are facets of you, God. That their songs, their inventions, businesses, and prayers are all expressions of how you act upon this earth. Lives are short, unexpected, and precious. May these graduates spend theirs in goods bigger than themselves. And God, through their pursuits, grant them, all of us, and this whole world, your most precious gift, shalom, peace. May this be our blessing. Amen.
Koste Adelphi Mugapiti, Kepi Pofiti, Harake Stephanos Mu Utostikete, in Kirio Gapiti. Hirte, in Kirio Pantote, Palin Ero, Hirte, to be a Kesimon Gnostito, Passing Anthropois, O Kirios and Gis. Midden, Merminate, Alan Panti, Ti Prosephi, Keti de si meta et haristias, Taitimata imon ignorisesto proston theon. Ke ierini tu theu, i perehusa pantanun, florisi, tas cardias imon, ke tainoimata imon en Christo isu. Toloipon adalfi, Josa estina lifi, Josa simna, Josa vicia, Josa agna, Josa prosfili, Josa ephima. Itis areti, ke itis e pinos tafta logisiste. A ke mafete, ke paralavete, ke kusete, ke idete enemi, tafta prasete, ke otheos tiserinis, este meth imon. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When God lets my body be, from each brave eye shall sprout a tree, fruit that dangles therefrom the purpled world will dance upon. Between my lips, which did sing, a rose shall beget the spring that maidens whom passion wastes will lay between their little breasts. My strong fingers beneath the snow into strenuous birds shall go. My love, walking in the grass, 
Their wings will touch with her face, and all the while shall my heart be with the bulge and nuzzle of the sea. May it be your will, God and God of our, of our fathers, that you should lead us in peace and direct our steps in peace and guide us in peace and support us in peace and cause us to reach our destination in life, joy and peace. Save us from every enemy and ambush, from robbers and wild beasts on the trip and from all kinds of punishment that rage and come to the world. May you confer blessing upon the work of our hands and grant me grace, kindness, and mercy in your eyes and in the eyes of all who see us. And bestow upon us abundant kindness and hearken to the voice of our prayer, for you hear the prayers of all. Blessed are you, God, who hearkens to prayer. Splendid, but even more beloved community, I invite you to open hearts and gather in 
all the shining constellations of friends, teachers, mentors, and families, all who have shared your highs and heard your cries when expressed even in sighs too deep for words. Let us give thanks for all these messengers who have lighted our paths with unique gifts of devotion and love so that we may be filled with enduring gratitude for those who have been our bright angels of wisdom and wildness, healing and imagination, grace and challenge. And grant now that we may be led from here after these few days to be messengers, messengers of light for those who are the hardest to hear, messengers for those who are most in need of unconditional love. In the name of the Holy One most high, most near, and most present when we least expect, Amen and Amen. In the name of our Lord, the Lord of merciful love, the giver of loving mercy. O Lord, all praise belongs to you and all thanks is due to you. We are humbled and honored to be gathered here today under your blessed gaze, enveloped in your loving mercy and well pleased with what you have destined for us. We seek your help alone in establishing a better world and upholding the trust that you have placed in us. Grant these graduates blessings and openings. Enable them to pave the way to what is most pleasing to you. Grant their spirits encouragement and enlightenment to know you. Allow them to cultivate new meanings of love, fellowship, creativity, peace, and kindness. Bestow upon them desires that are pleasing to you and gift them motivations that bend their actions toward the arc of righteousness and towards everything that is just. Guard their families and uplift their legacies. Bless this institution to continue to be a standard bearer and leader for all who grace its halls. Fill us all with the might and courage to lead where none have led before. Our Lord, we know that you do not burden any soul with more than it can bear. Each gains whatever good it has done and reaps the consequences of its bad. Our Lord, do not take us to task if we forget or make mistakes. Our Lord, do not burden us as those before us were, bur were burdened. Our Lord, do not burden us with more than we have the strength to bear. Pardon us, forgive us, and continue to have loving mercy upon us. You 
are our protector. So help us in all of our affairs. Amen.
Greetings, Harvard College class of 2018, and congratulations. What a privilege it is to be here with you today in this hectic, joyous, scary, hopeful, glorious week as you prepare to pass through the gates into the company of educated persons. Four years ago, under the threat of thunderstorms, we gathered for your convocation in a tent on the Science Center Plaza. It was broiling hot, and you sat fanning yourselves as Dean Karana and I and a cloud of elders in dark robes welcomed you to the next four years. We told you that, in fact, a kind of alchemy was about to happen, that here amongst the whomping willows and courses in the dark arts, as you wandered and connected and explored, Harvard would transform you, stir your hearts and minds as perhaps never before. Now at about that point, an alumnus at the back was overcome either by the rhetoric or the heat and actually fainted. <laughs> so now here we are, just us, all upright at least so far, in this strange medieval ritual we call the baccalaureate, at a moment in your lives more suited for bacchanalia. It's one of my favorite events, though still after 11 years, no less daunting, as I am to stand before you to impart the sober wisdom of age to the semi-sober impatience of youth. <laughs> Transformation. It's a word you've probably heard a lot over the past four years. Dean Karana uses it at the outset of every meeting he convenes. <laughs> you noticed. Affirming the mission of the college as, and I'm quoting him, a commitment to the transformative power of a liberal arts and sciences education. Now, at least some of you have remained dubious about this project. One of you captured that when you said you didn't really know what transformative power meant, except that, and I'm quoting, it was vaguely evocative of finding yourself in an amorphous college sort of way, and you were sure it lay ahead of you somewhere. Now, we all at some point want to transform, but transformation is different from change. It has a direction. It creates a new form out of a familiar thing. It's thorough, it's often radical, and when it's about us, it's usually positive. No one says, I want to be Kafka's character in the metamorphosis who wakes up as a cockroach. The kind of change that I understand may occur after 48 hours in Lamont drinking Red Bull <laughs> or one too many Hefe's burritos at 4 a.m. I'm pretty sure that's not the transformation that Dean Karana had in mind. <clears throat> so what happened? How did our experiment in transformation work out? It's a good question. At the very least, you entered a stream of change from the moment you arrived, experiencing as a class many firsts and lasts. And even though we're in a church, please feel free to make some noise. 
you were first with a concentration in theater, dance, and media, and first, good, and first to explore the reinvented art museums that reopened soon after you arrived. You were barely acclimated when you survived Snowpocalypse, also known, <laughs> also known as Snowmageddon and SnowMG, <laughs> Harvard's first snow day closure in recent memory. Book ended, of course, by four blizzards in March, just in time for your senior thesis. You were the first freshman to have official voluntary composting in the dorms. Now this is outside of the involuntary composting in your mini fridges. <laughs> your food, if not transformative, evolved as you inaugurated Saturday brunch lasted through the first dining hall workers strike in 30 years with some of you joining the picket lines and lined up in a blizzard naturally to try Hawaiian food at Pokey Works. <laughs> you embrace new technologies as you learn two-step verification hoping for greater privacy. <laughs> and you got to know each other in evolving spaces like Tinder or the league wait list hoping for greater intimacy. Woo! Swiping left, swiping right. The campus itself transformed as Cabot Library morphed, the Smith Center was reimagined, and Winthrop House reborn. And, and Winthrop won the Strauss Cup for the third straight year. And Lamont stopped checking your backpacks. Our language shifted along with our cultures. Housemasters alighted to faculty deans. The law school lounge, law school lounge became Belinda Hall. Final clubs for fraternities and sororities became USGSOs. <laughs> and entire schools assumed new names. With your encouragement, the college adopted an honor code. You saw graduate students vote to unionize. You saw the entire campus agitate over sexual harassment and sexual assault. You welcomed the first Dean of Inclusion and Belonging. And after 174 years, because of your persistence, you likely witnessed the last all-male hasty pudding cast. <laughs> As Harvard changed, you changed Harvard in distinctive ways. You revived old traditions like the mumps and... <laughs> and the first Frozen Four appearance for men's hockey in 23 years. <laughs> and you closed out some other traditions. Alas, a string of nine football victories over a school in Connecticut came to an end. You saw the last seven minutes of Harvard time 
and the last of free HBO. Boo. And you started a few traditions of your own. How about the first non-binary gender option for the annual Valentine data match? <laughs> How about a play called Black Magic about race and identity that shattered precedent on the low main stage? And how about an 18th Howe Cup victory that gave the women's squash team the most in the nation's history? Not bad. <laughs> and in case anyone doubted your versatility and range, you produced prize-winning theses on Lassa virus detection, on misinformation in social network news, on Nigerian sex worker migration, on the cultural history of the helicopter in Vietnam, on Swedish Muslim identity, on carbon storage and salt marshes, just to name a few. Meantime, the world beyond Harvard Yard grew less stable and more uncertain, so different, as one of you said, than when we entered. Now, in case you are feel <coughs> I know I have many common coffers out here I've been listening to. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Not sure what we all have, but we can share it. <clears throat> now, in case you were feeling special, I'm obliged to state the well-worn truth that every class and every generation faces a precarious world. Consider just two of your forerunners. By commencement, roughly half the Harvard class of 1918 had left to fight in World War I many never to return. Or think about the class of 1968. That was my college graduation year, not so long ago, at least compared to 1918. <laughs> we confronted a seemingly apocalyptic world of war and riots and assassinations, which we were convinced we would set right before our fifth uh, reunion, rallying behind the cry, never trust anybody over 30. And yet you, class of 2018, have a claim in this contest as you enter a roiling and turbulent world where every day feels bizarrely dangerous as if the other shoe is about to drop. In four years, you have witnessed calamitous violence nationwide. You've cast your first votes for president in a divisive and polarizing election. You've observed fraying cords of civility and trust. By the end of 2016, as juniors, you found yourself at the heart of an institution whose motto is Veritas, yet you are in a climate where alternative facts fuel public discourse, and post-truth was the Oxford English Dictionary word of the year. And all of this amidst a technological revolution, begun in no small part right here at Harvard, propelling a transformation as complex and disruptive as any in human history. No matter what your politics, the jolt of these experiences threw you into the public sphere with a new sense of responsibility. You became, as one of you put it, a class of movements for change. You marched for causes of every kind, challenged one another over free speech by inviting and protesting the same speaker. And you advocated for gender, global gender equality with stand-up comedy. You won a Marshall Scholarship to use art as activism, created a college admissions website for students from all backgrounds, 
and supported DACA students in a candlelight vigil here on the steps of Memorial Church. You've encouraged girls to change the world with computer science and technology. And you've boosted health and education for kids in your native Rwanda where homeless and alone at age nine, your one request to go to school changed your life. And so we have a partial answer to our question. You did transform. Writer Lawrence Wexler calls it catching fire. When people, or sometimes whole places, just going about their business, suddenly ignite. They become, as he puts it, intensely focused and alive. And their lives become different than they thought they would be. Thursday's commencement speaker, John Lewis, caught on fire the exact words he used when he was a student just about your age and the injustice of segregation came to seem no longer tolerable. He describes it as the spirit of history descending upon him, compelling him to risk beatings and even his own life in the struggle for civil rights. I came to believe, he writes, that this force on the side of what is right and just, at certain points in life, in the flow of human existence, this spirit finds you or selects you it chases you down, and you have no choice. You must carry out what must be done. This describes the emergence of the civil rights movement in the late 1950s. It also describes the Parkland students who have determined that school shooting deaths must stop, that there can be no further excuses for letting more people like their 17 schoolmates and teachers lose their lives. Many of you have caught fire as well during your time here. Perhaps it was that day in your sociology course when you learned that deaths from breast cancer were 37% higher for black women than for white, and you resolved to change health inequities and organized Harvard's first Black Health Matters conference. Or, or perhaps it was your faith in God that inspired you to start a weekly gathering to discuss how to live a life of joy and purpose. Or perhaps it was the death of a friend that led you to push legislation to prevent gun-related suicides and inspire a crowd of thousands against gun violence at the Boston March for Our Lives. Or perhaps it was the injury of a teammate that inspired you to partner with a local business to raise funds for him and his family. You ignited. Some might even say, you're lit, or maybe we <laughs> And here's the first of three points I want to make about transformation before you head off to Widener's hallowed steps to take your class photo. Let's call them the three essential principles of transformation. Principle one, flip the story. It's not about you. Point one is that while we were all somehow expecting Harvard to transform you, you became transformative agents yourselves. To paraphrase John Lennon, transformation is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Surprise yourselves, I said at convocation four years ago. You did. You flipped the story. You realized, as Steve Jobs once put it, that you could poke the world right through its walls 
and make it better. But it was not just that you could make it better. You had to make it better. That moment came for me when I was a freshman in college, and it was because of John Lewis. As I watched on a flickering black and white TV as he and hundreds of others seeking their constitutional rights were tear-gassed and clubbed on Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge, I knew I had to do something. I heard the voice of Martin Luther King declare, no American is without responsibility. We must all, he said, help bear the burden. And he called for a second march. I knew I had to go. I felt a moral imperative to act. It was as if there was no other choice. Congressman Lewis calls it making necessary trouble, a willingness to get in the way. I hear in your stories that same imperative, arrived at and expressed, as I've just suggested, in a thousand new and different ways. Every year, I have told students, do what matters to you. Find what you love. It might be stem cell research, or writing screenplays, or cryptocurrency finance. But don't settle for plan B, the safe plan, until you've tried plan A, even if it might require a miracle. I call it the parking space theory of life. Don't park 10 blocks away from your destination because you think you won't find a closer space. Go to where you want to be. You can always circle back to where you have to be. It's about doing what fulfills you. And that is important. But you have been telling me something more. And it might be time for me to amend and expand the parking space theory of life. Not just because of Uber and Lyft and the imminent arrival of driverless cars, but because during these four years, you have not only come to see your own lives differently, you have developed a more expansive goal, a broadening sense of where you want to be, based on a new set of questions. Not just, what are my passions, but how can I help, and what is necessary at this time and place in the world? It is not just about your passions. It's about your purpose. Your expectations changed. The transformation promised at your convocation turned out to be less about you and more about everything around you. Principle two, see with fresh eyes. The truth is, and this is my second point, that is exactly what a liberal arts education prepares you to do. It enables us to see the world in order to understand how we can transform it. Think of the habits of mind that underpin every field of knowledge. The imperative to seek out diverse points of view when we lack perspective. The patience to deliberate in disorienting strangeness. The capacity to improvise in the face of the unexpected, including when to listen and when to do nothing. From literature and the arts, we gain imagination and empathy, a second sight on our common humanity. From history, we draw courage against all hope, understanding that things were once different and can be different again. From science, we learn humility and persistence, 
knowing that a sudden insight can reframe the universe. Most of us come to Harvard believing in merit. The talent combined with hard work and a little luck pays off, rightly so. And yet the spark of learning, the thing that catches us on fire, feels less like our own achievement and more like a gift, less earned than bestowed, touching any one of us at any moment. Some may call it insight, some may call it genius, but here's the rub. Personal transformation is the easy part. The harder part is what comes next, to light the world when we feel a responsibility to change it. As leaders, as young people, you bear a special burden of that responsibility. There was a reason that we in the 60s were loath to trust anyone over 30. It is the same reason that led the Parkland students to determine that adults had failed them, that they themselves must be the ones to stop gun violence in schools. It is the reason that I invest so much hope and faith in all of you to use your talents and education to fix this broken world. It will, after all, be your world far longer than it remains ours. More than a century ago, Harvard philosopher William James described that spirit of responsibility as the true Harvard alive in its most undisciplinable sons. He put it that way, it was all sons then. He found them intoxicated and exultant with the nourishment they find here. And he went on to say, beware when God lets loose a thinker on the world. All things then have to rearrange themselves. Principle three, take it with you. I want to leave you with one last point. Transformation principle three as you enter your lives beyond Harvard College. As we let you loose upon the world, take this spirit of transformation with you. Keep the fuel fired by your education burning. Catching fire may be a momentary flare, but transforming the world is a long haul. One of you put it this way, I don't think there is anything that makes me or anyone special in the way we succeed except having that spirit that tells us to keep going. Don't lose that spirit. Take it from your professors, from Arthur Kleinman, who showed you caregiving social science, from Sarah Lewis, who inspired you towards equal justice, from Alyssa Goodman, who encouraged you to map the universe, no matter what your background. Take it from Lin-Manuel Miranda, who recently told us at the Kennedy School that life isn't only about being in the room where it happens, that famous Hamilton line from your freshman year, but it's also about bringing your whole self into the room, especially the parts of you that don't fit in, because then you just might transform the whole place. Take it always from each other, because Harvard never leaves you, and your connection is just beginning. 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was chosen as Harvard's very first class day speaker, an appointment he could not keep. But he left us with a call to action that still rings out today, and I'd like to leave it with you now. He said, transform the jangling discords of our world 
into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. Transform this pending cosmic elegy into a creative psalm of peace. Go well, class of 2018. Catch fire, swipe right, look outward together, and truly light the world. Thank you. Class of 2018, please remember that life is short and time is filled with swift transition. So we don't have much time to gladden the hearts of those who journey this thing called life with us. Therefore, be quick to love. Make haste to be kind. Be quick to compliment and slow to criticize. And if you do so, do so constructively. Love yourselves. Because loving yourself is a precondition for loving your neighbor. And if we do these things, we might begin to approximate what it means 
for us to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. May we say together, Amen.